This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Reporting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, it's time for the weekly Nerd News Update with your two-headed correspondent, John Matt. Welcome to your THN Nerd News Update for the week of March 4th through March 10th. I'm your head number one, the Internet's Joe Patrick. And I am your head number two. My name is Matt Baum. And first up, as usual, we've got movie and TV news. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Batman the Caped Crusader, the animated project that would see Bruce Timm, creator of Batman the Animated Series, returning for a new animated adventure, has been rescued by Amazon after HBO Max scrapped the project last August. Matt, I'm just happy this project is getting greenlit, but what the hell, Warner Brothers? I don't get it. I don't get this at all. So this was J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, director of the Batman movie that made a shit ton of money, and Bruce Timm, all working together. And HBO Max goes, eh, <laughs> like seriously, the cartoon that probably saved Batman and, and Warner Brothers and DC Comics back in the day, reinventing the way we think of the Cape Crusader and everything. And they're just going to shuffle it aside and go, yeah, it's not going to work with our 10 year plan. Like, why? It's a cartoon. I don't get it. Guy that runs Discovery is like, we are super excited to have stuff like this not be on HBO Max and distributed separately. Because we have our own 10 year plan that we're doing with James Gunn. And oh, Peter well, okay. But that's uh, sure. All right. It, it's not part of, you know, DCU chapter one, colon yeah. gods and monsters. Yes. And, but yes, of course. Uh, but we knew that it wouldn't be neither is Harley Quinn. But, you know, we talked about this on, on uh, the cover to cover gang hang yesterday. Shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> it's no. probably just as simple as HBO saw an opportunity to move this over to a different platform and now they get a licensing cut as well. I mean, I guess I just don't get it. Don't they want everything in one place to sell HBO max better? I mean, like nobody ever wants anything in one place. Look at Marvel. Marvel was the same. Well, was, and now everything's Disney except for adult stuff. I guess I I just don't get it. Like everything about this sounds wonderful. We first reported about this, like back in, May 2021 when this is announced Ed Brubaker is like the head writer serving as Bruce Timm's right hand it it looks like the style of the old Batman the animated series this looks amazing I am super excited that it is going to happen because when it got scrapped we were all just like come on (laughs) what is wrong like I get things like when they say okay Justice League Dark isn't gonna work out we're not moving in that direction sorry J.J. Abrams no Constantine show no uh Madam X show or whatever he was going to do. But this, it's just a Batman animated cartoon. Why are we not doing this in house? Because it's not part of the, con- they're, they want everything that they're putting out going forward under James Gunn to be part of one continuity, which is, we neat. Discuss- we talked about this, yes, which is neat. this cartoon does not fit into that. And so they've got a chance to still have the cartoon and still spread out their like they've got their their fingers in as many pies as possible and they're making an additional fee from Amazon for licensing the the show and so 
Yeah, like I don't, I totally get it. These things happen. Uh, like I'm, I'm not super surprised about it. Uh, I'm glad that it's going to happen. I'm glad maybe we're getting it. I'm glad we're getting. Maybe that, maybe that means there's hope for Batgirl to see some sort of release. Whether it's, I mean, I'm not saying they're gonna. Oh, I kind of doubt that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying they're gonna like you know make a big deal out of it. But you got the thing. It's ninety percent done. Just put it out. But it doesn't surprise me at all that any of this J.J. Abrams stuff was scrapped because that was actually at odds with yes, this new plan. I get that. The The only weird so. thing about that is like it does seem like they scrapped seven of his projects. And if I'm J.J. Abrams, I'm like, am I fired? What's going on here? Well, he's not the guy, you know, <laughs> James Gunn is the I, guy, which so. is amazing. I think that's impressive, first of all, because like you're talking about J.J. Abrams. This guy is not exactly a lightweight. He's a big time heavyweight dude. The dude made two Star Wars movies you know he's massive and yeah i admire that they are sticking with it and they trust james gunn and they trust and they trust safran that's cool but wow telling abrams to kick rocks that's kind of impressive you know <laughs> hey you know james gunn's no slouch either i guess how did you just do that i'm a really good lawyer in Daredevil news, John Barenthal will return to his role as the Punisher in the upcoming Marvel TV show Daredevil Born Again. Of course, Vincent D'Onofrio will return as a kingpin, but Deborah Ann Wool and Eldon Henson, who played classic supporting characters Karen Page and Foggy Nelson, will not return. Joe, are we excited to welcome back Frank? See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess it's fine. Like John Bernthal was a, a really good Punisher and I liked him in the uh, Netflix stuff. Um, Punisher is not in Born Again. That's, so. that's where I'm at with this. Cause like, I love Barenthal. I think he's a great actor. I think he was a very good Punisher in a show that was fine at best. I still don't understand why we had to change the Punisher's like origin and update it to like military conspiracy. I don't really get that part. Didn't need it. But gotta modernize everything, baby. Gotta I modernize everything. But like it's not like mobsters and dirty cops went away. You know, like that's still a thing. That's, that was straight out of the seventies. Two seventies. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's not like pimps with peacock feathers killed his family or something. I wish. <laughs> I wish. But I like Barenthal and I'm glad he's coming back to the MCU. I don't think this is going well, I mean, it's not going to be the born again comic book that we know that Frank Miller and David. Oh well, yeah, I mean I, I really doubt not. that. Like they're calling it born again. Fine, obvious name recognition with sure, the comic. Sure, but um, it 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 would be kind of weird if all of a sudden, like this Karen Page was a junkie that needed to sell this secret information for a fix. <laughs> it would be uh, a tonal shift, <laughs> certainly. And uh, I mean, it's uh, it's a shame that they're not in it. Like they've all they've recast Vanessa, uh, so I don't know if they're going to recast. Karen and Peggy or, or Karen and Foggy, or if they're just not going to be in it at all. I, yeah. I don't know. I really um, like those actors though. Like I thought they did an I excellent too. job. And it's Karen a shame. And, yeah. and like, and who knows they might be, they might've already been, you know, snapped up into different projects. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, people get, busy. but I get it. it it's good. This, this show is going to be 18 episodes, which is kind of unheard of That's for anything like this. Massive. Uh, it's, it's like, it's nearly tripled the length of some, it's tripled the length of some of the MCU shows. Clearly, they're going to deviate from the comic. We're not exactly yeah. sure how. I mean, I can tell you one thing. The Avengers will probably not show up. Probably not. Because that happens yeah. in the uh, in Born Again. Um, also, it probably won't have anything to do with Nuke. 
because they already sort of did nuke. That is a goddamn shame, right? But I want nuke uh, with the American flag on his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, give, I want give the- me your give me your red. You <laughs> yeah. know that kind of. Uh, but they already kind of did nuke in Jessica Jones. So I, I I don't know. I don't know how it's going to differ. It is a shame because I did really like these two actors. Yeah. This isn't a sign that the sky has fallen. I think it's still going to be really great. And, uh, you know, John Bernthal, he was a great addition to that roster of characters. And I think it's smart of Marvel to keep him. Absolutely. I, I don't think you need to recast the Punisher. They've got the guy. They just need to do a better show. That's all. Jumping over to the comic shelves from the DC desk. The dawn of the DCU rolls on with new oversized issues. This week, DC announced the dawn of the DCU rolls on with new oversized issues and some creative team announcements and a detective chimp mystery. Joe Patrick, let's start at the top. Let's just read through these. See what we think about it. All right. This May, DC is going to release a free special, The Dawn of DC Primer, which promises to reveal secrets and more from the year-long Story uh, storytelling initiative. Here is a bit about the plot. For years, Amanda Waller has seen the heroes of the DC universe as a dangerous threat that could lead to the end of the world. Ever since Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, Amanda Waller has operated in the shadows to collect deadly weapons and to create an army of allies who agree with her. Now she's forced to bring some of the worst enemies of the DC universe and offer they can't refuse. This is going to be written by Joshua Williamson with our by Leandro Fernandez. And it's going to set up a bunch of connective stories for all of 2023 and beyond. It will be available on May 16th uh, in comic shops. So, yeah, not free comic book day. They're just going to send it out. Fair enough. I do think it's awesome. It's free. That's great. Yeah. And you know what? They've done stuff like that in the past where they they've put out like DC um, either. It was either right before Blackest Night or right after uh, they put out like DC Universe number zero. Yeah. That kind of set up a bunch of stuff. And so they have a history of doing this. And I think it's uh, always a good idea. Yeah. Get get everybody excited and do it for free. In June, The Flash and Wonder Woman will join an exclusive club of comics that have reached 800 single issues. And DC's pretty good at this. It's not like Marvel math. DC is pretty solid when it comes to numbering their comics, right? I'm not wrong there. I, I mean, I think that both companies are guilty of I mean, okay. shady math. So. <laughs> right. DC is celebrating the momentous occasion with oversized special issues that will lead directly into new creative teams on both ongoing series. Y- you know what? I will say this. DC is not prone to rebooting series at the drop of a hat yes. like Marvel has been. Yeah. And while there might be multiple volumes of these books, they are pretty clearly delineated. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think the the 800 issues are the big announcement here. The big announcements are what's coming out of them. And that is the announcements of the new team. Like, I love these issues. They'll be And fun. these are the new relaunches, yeah. the new number ones that I just said DC didn't, <laughs> yeah. didn't do all willy-nilly. Here we go. <laughs> the Flash joins Dawn of DC in September, launching with The Flash, number one, the award-winning new creative team of, get ready, folks, Simon Spurrier, who worked on CODA and Detective Comics, and Mike Diodato Jr. will cross <laughs> all... <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> every, time I, every time it's read out loud, I get a little bit... Bit more ill. We'll chronicle the adventures of the fastest man alive. Wally West has never been quicker, more fulfilled, more heroic, and more posed. His loving family is around him, and yet something is off, very off. His evolving understanding of his powers has opened Wally 
to new oh. adventures. Pardon More me. pose to because Mike did that. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and yet something is very off. His evolving understanding of his powers has opened Wally to new avenues of sci-fi adventure and attuned his senses to strange new ideas. Something whispers from the dark vibrations beyond the speed force. And as Wally experiments with creative new approaches to his powers, he encounters new realms, mysterious allies, and mind-shattering terrors. Starting with the prelude in the soon-to-be legendary, ooh, wow, The Flash 800, the chronicles of the fastest man alive take an action-packed turn towards cosmic horror. So, what do we take away from this? One, cosmic horror. Two, Simon Spurrier. (laughs) Three, Mike Diodato Jr. Let's talk about that. I'd rather not. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Look, (laughs) <laughs> this is nothing personal against Mike Diodato Jr. He does a thing. Uh, he's yeah, he's good he at the thing do that he, he does. does. We are not crazy about the thing that he does. I would argue the problem here is I don't think that thing, his style, lends itself very well to the Flash at all, personally. No, it doesn't. I don't get it. It's a, it's a very strange choice to draw the adventures of a character known for fluid movement. Right. Nothing Mike Diodato has ever drawn has looked fluid. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not I'm not excited about it. Now the cosmic horror is uh, uh an interesting phrasing, but I do like the idea of sci-fi adventure, weird science adventure. That fits the flash to a T. It does. And, and uh Spurrier is harken- a great choice for to write right. wackiness and, like this. Too. And it very much harkens back to the Silver Age where it's like you Every time you you couldn't swing a dead cat without finding an issue of the Flash, where something dumb is happening to Barry Allen, or he's going to a different dimension, or right. accidentally traveling to the future. So yeah, you know, I like the cover of number one. The Steodato cover is not that bad, but um, like Wally running through this weird dimensional breach full of <laughs> disembodied eyeballs. Yeah. Like yeah, okay, that's the to- <laughs> there's your tone. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of fun. I'm uh, I'm a little bit uh, sad for Jeremy Adams. He's done such great work on The Flash, and clearly he loves Wally and yeah. Wally's family. Um, the good news is is that DC is going all in on Wally West. Um, issue 800 is literally labeled a celebration of Wally West. Yeah, and this new series stars Wally, not Barry, Wh- which and is so, great. I I do feel bad great. for Adams, yeah. and I don't know that we need to shake the Flash up this much. I'm curious to see where it goes. Well, you know, it's done. It's done a DC. It's We're doing new DC. things yeah. for almost everybody. And uh, Air Adams is going to be fine. He's the new Green Lantern writer. Yeah, so, which is great. It's just uh, if a book needs a shake guy, up. I was going to say if a book does need a shake up, it's Green Lantern. <laughs> that book needs a bit of a shake up. <laughs> and you know, it, it, it's just uh, the reason why I, I think it's kind of a bummer. It's because, you know, this was a surprise to him. Yeah. Uh, this was not his idea. DC just said, hey, thank you for your service, but you're we're going in a different direction. Clean out and your flash desk, move to the Green Lantern desk. Alphabetically, it, uh, it's literally one next to it. So you'll be fine. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. But yeah, uh, so I, I'm willing to I'm obviously willing to give this a try. I'm never not going to read The Flash. Yeah. But Diodato, man, I. Don't love it. They're going to really have to convince me. Yeah, don't love him. 
Perfectly nice guy. We're just talking art styles here. To Travel be fair, it. we don't know him. He might be a total asshole. Yeah. In September, Wonder Woman number one will feature the new creative team of Eisner winning writer Tom King and artist Daniel Sampier. We know him from Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth. He's great. After a mysterious Amazonian, it, it's not an Amazonian. After a mysterious Amazon is accused of mass murder, the U.S. Congress passes the Amazon Safety Act. Barring all Amazons from American soil. It's about damn time, all right? They've been a nuisance ca- for years. <laughs> to carry out its new law, the government sets up the Amazon Extradition Entity, AXE, Ooh. Task Force, <laughs> to remove those who don't comply by any means necessary. In her search for the truth behind the killing, Wonder Woman now finds herself an outlaw in the world she once swore to protect. The primer is in May. Which means the 800 issues will follow, right? Presumably in June or July. July in this case. So I'm betting September this story kicks off in the 800 issue in July because, like, the final story is going to be his or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be you know, and uh, there'll there'll be anthology style stories. One of the stories will be by the new creative team. That makes sense. So um, I, I think this one is probably the most interesting announcement because we were just talking about this. Last week on the show, as a matter of fact, Tom King tends to work in his own little corner of the Tom King DC universe. Sometimes it's Black Label. Sometimes it's just Tom King doing his thing. And this is full on Tom King in the DCU. So he's going to have to play by some rules. Like we can't make Wonder Woman, you know, uh, a war criminal. And uh, we can't have Batman showing up with his wife, Catwoman. You know, (laughs) these are things that (laughs) right. unless it's going to become like the airing of Tom King's grievances. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah, this is happening. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, Tom King, you know, is a writer that I have obviously not been keen on all the time, but I have really enjoyed his more recent projects. This does sound fun. I think this sounds like a, a an interesting storyline. And I much uh, prefer, again, as discussed on the Teach and Gang Hang yesterday, um, I much prefer Wonder Woman and Themyscira, uh, Themyscira uh, participating in global events type stuff than I do like Oh no, the Greek gods are at it again. Yeah, I'm or uh, the Ama- or the Amazons boom. are having a bunch of weird drama. Because much like Atlantis, DC's Greek gods are boring. Yeah. I don't care about them. I don't want to read about them. Yeah. I don't really care about what Zeus is up to. I just want to read about what it means to have a secret society of Amazon immortal warrior princesses living on Earth among normal human beings. I mean, they're like, not all princesses, but they are warriors. <laughs> I said immortal Amazon warriors. You said princesses. princesses? <laughs> well, you know what? They're all princesses in my book. Oh, that's but. sweet. That's sweet. No, I'm with you. And like that last big Wonder Woman event we had with like the three Amazon tribes and they're all warring and here's 5,000 Amazonian characters that like you don't know can barely follow. It was well written and the art was good, but it was too much. It was just too much. I mean, uh, uh, and maybe that's just me. Like uh, as a as a casual Wonder Woman fan, unlike like with the Flash, I'm a yes. Flash super fan. Wonder Woman, I'm like, yeah, I like Wonder Woman if, when the book is good. And for, for just for my own preferences, I much prefer something like Greg Rucka's original run, where right. now she's an ambassador and there's an actual embassy in Washington yes. D.C. or New York City, and she's got to deal with the politics of 
this society meshing with the world right and oh it just she just so happens to have a minotaur on staff you know <laughs> like that sort of stuff is is fun to me so yes put put wonder woman in in the real world and show me what that means yeah have to have that mix that up that's what i want to see yeah i don't need aries showing up and messing with her and yeah. again for the 18,000th time Jesus. it's aries he's always the villain yeah He's the, he's the Skeletor of the Wonder Woman universe, basically. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This third creative team announcement ought to perk up some Trekkie ears. Michael Dorn, legendary actor and the voice of Steel in the classic Superman, the animated series, a fact that made both of us go, really? <laughs> like, and we watched yeah, I did that. not know that. Yeah. I guess I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen any Steel episodes of I, that show. I know I did, and I guess I just didn't realize it was him. Michael Dorn will be writing the not-to-be-missed Steelworks with art by Sammy Bassery. I love that dude. Works on Harley Quinn. The Metropolis of the Future is here today, but can it survive a terrorist who's out for revenge against its builder, John Henry Irons, a.k.a. Steel, and his company, Steelworks? And who possesses secrets that could undo everything John has worked so hard to build? While John's professional life is firing on all cylinders, his personal life is even better. And his on-again, off-again relationship with Lana Lang. I didn't know that was a thing. He was dating Lana? I have no idea. Okay. Maybe that's maybe <laughs> yeah. they're just gonna maybe they're just gonna insert that into the story. All right. Oh but, it does sound vaguely familiar. Okay. I don't I I just don't know. But it's back on permanently, Joe. Now he must decide whether Maybe, maybe permanently. Might be back on permanently. <laughs> Fingers crossed for those two lovebirds. Okay, might be back on permanently. You're right. Now he must decide whether it's time to give up being steel once and for all. But does John even know who he would be without his superhero identity? How does the other steel, John's niece, Natasha Irons, feel about his momentous decision? And does any of that matter if Steelworks crumbles around him when he lacks the superpowers to fight back? Michael Dorn. Of Star Michael Trek. Michael Dorn. Worf is writing steel. <laughs> Worf is writing steel. Uh, I mean, that's really interesting. Like, I've never read anything Michael Dorn has written, so I have no frame of reference for this. I looked around and found some audiobooks, some Star Trek audiobooks that are read by Michael Dorn, but I don't know that he's written anything, so this might be new. Like we said, he voiced the character in the Superman cartoon show, so he definitely has an understanding of John Henry Irons. Can he write the comic? We're going to find out. DC seems to think so. Who's not going to check out a comic written by Worf? I mean, come on. I guess. It makes us a little nervous sometimes when we see celebrities that decide they're going to write comics, but he did the voice yeah, of Steel. I mean, it's one, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, I mean, it's one, again, and she's a low-hanging fruit and a uh, frequent punching bag on this show, but it, this isn't exactly Jada Pinkett Smith's menace. <laughs> You know, Mike. Are, You're gonna want to be careful. You know, Will Smith has been running around smacking people for talking shit about. Hey, Gina, so. if he wants to come to my house and smack me, he is welcome to do it because that is a story that I will live off of for a lifetime. Fair enough. But the only question is, how is he? You know, comics is a different medium. Mm -hmm. Is he up for the challenge? <laughs> um, is he even a comic fan? I mean, the guy knows the character. Yeah. It's hard not to think of it primarily as a novelty, but. They went to a guy who arguably, like outside of comics, who is a greater authority on steel than Michael Dorn. <laughs> the guy voiced the voiced steel for years. I guess, yeah. I mean, so, look, I like I mean, John he Henry knows Irons. The character. I like John Henry Irons. I like 
steel, the character. I like the idea of the family around him and they're calling this Steelworks. Like we're building yeah. a universe for him. Cause I don't know that like steel is going to sustain his own book for 400 issues, but maybe you build up a whole world around him and a family. And I like the Natasha's there. She's great. I like this artist a lot. We I show. love how you think that 400 issues is the benchmark of success. I'm just saying. I, I just threw out a number. Okay, 50 <laughs> issues. <laughs> how about 25? Like okay. two good years is a pretty good run. Yeah, this will be fun. I, you know what? I think they should call it Steel and put a photo cover of Shaq on, uh, of Shaquille O'Neal on, the, on cover. <laughs> yeah, why um, didn't they get Shaq to write this? He's even more intimate. He made a movie. <laughs> I mean, he's probably a bigger draw. A, well, a bigger, a, he's a bigger novelty. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's a little more famous than Michael Dorn. I'll say. <laughs> Next up, Kendra Saunders, the winged warrior, better known as Hawk Girl has been one of the DC Universe's greatest heroes for a long time, serving as a member of both the Justice League and the Justice Society. But with the Justice League disbanded, Kendra decides she needs a fresh start and heads to Metropolis to begin a new life. That life is quickly interrupted by a mysterious villain with a powerful connection to the nth metal that makes up Hawkgirl's wings and weapons. Hawkgirl, uh, we don't need to worry about that. Hawkgirl number one, Okay, again, this says out in July. So DC's all over the place about these release dates. So who knows what's if it's September or July or what. Yeah. But this says specifically July 18th. Uh, this is going to be written by uh, an author named Jadzia Axelrod, who uh, I believe is a, a young adult author. Yes. And um, so I'm glad that Hawkgirl's getting the spotlight. I think that Hawkgirl's a great character. They've kind of massaged her a little bit back into that pre-New 52 kind of JSA version a little bit with still some trappings of the new continuity. Yeah, I like Hawkgirl. I don't have a ton to say about it I, other than I don't know any of the creators involved. This is the one book where I did not recognize the creators at all. The art looks fantastic. At least the cover we've seen looks really good. I like yeah. Hawkgirl as well. I forgot that there's still a Hawk woman, and I Hawk guess... Hawkwoman is different. Yeah, and I guess like... If there's plans for Hawkwoman and she's going to be around, that's why you call this Hawkgirl. Does Shiera serve, like, Hawkwoman? Shiera, is she doing anything in the DC universe right now? Is, like, she around? Can we write her out? <laughs> Can we just be like, yeah, alien stuff, it's weird, go away, you know? <laughs> well, but, I mean, even without Shiera being around, I don't necessarily think they need to change Kendra's name. Like, Hawkgirl, she's recognizable as Hawkgirl. I guess. She's also an adult now. That's my only point. She's not a girl. She's always been an adult, man. Yeah. Since she first appeared, she was an adult. I know. She was, we're calling a girl, you know? So what? I, just, I, so know. What? I just think it's time for Kendra. I wish Kendra, they would just give her the Hawk Woman. And Shiera, you can change your name to Talon or something. <laughs> you know, that would make more sense. You know what? It would make more sense for her to be called Talon than X-23 to be called right? Talon. I'll yeah, give exactly. You that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but that is a different company in a different conversation. Right. Um, you know, I, I disagree. I think it's fine that she's Hawkgirl. I think everybody knows her as Hawkgirl. I yes, think, obviously. I think kids know her as Hawkgirl. Yes. I guess she was called Hawkgirl in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon as well. So, yeah, kids know it. I also think this is cool that they're giving her a shot instead of another convoluted, pointless, angry Hawkman series. Which, look, I love Hawkman. I'm always down to read Hawkman. You know he's going to pop up here, and that's fine. I think you can have a little more mileage with Hawkwoman. And uh, her background, 
not quite as bizarre, you know? <laughs> like it's kind of pretty much straightforward. She's been reincarnated, sure, you know, but it, nowhere near as bad as Hawkman. So uh, in a similar vein as getting Michael Dorn, it, Judzia Axelrod kind of comes with a built-in audience sure. that may or may not check out the book. And if that's true, awesome. I think that's great. Hopefully it's good. I've I've got no reason to think it won't be. I am looking forward to checking it out. As a final tease that the expanded DC timeline now shows a faint image of Detective Chimp holding the helmet of Dr. Fate. The familiar image was first seen on the first cover of the Helmet of Fate event back in 2007 that I would argue no one remembers. And you know why I can say that? Because we did not remember it. And if anybody should, it should be us. Okay. We had to go Um, back and be like... Which was this the seventh or the eighth Doctor Fate? I can't remember. Now, I, I remember the I remember the cover is the thing. I remember Brian Boland's cover? Yeah, it's Brian Boland's cover. It's a very like kind of iconic, you know, Detective Chimp with yeah. the magnifying glass, He's doing the chimp his, face, like Ooh. making his ook face <laughs> yeah. and holding the helmet of Doctor Fate. And yeah, we this is two Doctor Fates ago. So like, I'm that's not a joke. No, this, this was the Doctor Fate before the current Doctor Fate. Right. Who had the same first name as the current Dr. Fate. Different last name. Same first name, (laughs) different last name. It was, yeah, it was, we figured it out. It was the grandson or the great nephew of Kent Nelson, but his name was Khalid Al whatever. This is the guy after Uh, Kent Nelson. Al Hussein. Yes. And this this new Dr. Fate, this current Dr. Fate is Khalid Nasur. Yes. And so they kept the first name. They changed the, the last name. I could not tell you why for the life of me I, I i don't know why they just kind of like photoshopped in this old cover image right other than is it a placeholder for something else is it an actual like are we meant to view it as an actual tease for something dr fate and or detective chimp related if it is a tease uh, it is either the return of justice league dark which is a title that while that book has been good, we both hate the term Justice League Dark. I hate it's the just title stupid. Justice League Dark. Or Shadow right. Pact, something along those lines. It's got to be something with these magic characters coming back into some major focus in the DCU. It makes sense. You had Dr. Fate in a Black Adam movie, and people really, like, he looks really cool. So he's a thing, and everybody loves Detective Chimp. I'm down, and we know those two characters have been on a magic team for a long time. So it's got to be something along those lines. If this is that tease, if it's not that tease, what are we doing here? <laughs> here here's here's what gives me pause. They could just as easily have put one of the little icons true. on the timeline, like they did for every other thing. That's true. Instead, they put a cover that's 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, on the timeline. And so it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't understand what they're doing, but we'll, we'll see. There'll be time to speculate. There'll be time for that later. It's, it's odd. It's fun to speculate about. I love detective chimp. uh, So I'm always excited to see detective chimp in something. I kind of hope for something kind of shadow packed ish. I do too. And I don't, you don't call it justice league dark. That's a dumb name. No, it's a dumb name. Also make me care about Dr. Fate again. Because you've had so many characters in succession become Dr. Fate that I have stopped paying attention. I have just literally stopped. And this is not like, oh, I liked him when he was a white guy. He's a dude in a helmet. No, no, no. I don't no, care. Not, that's not that. Yeah. yeah it's, it, I, don't, I don't think that they've really done enough to make people care about this version of Dr. Fate. Right. And I, I could be wrong about that. Like there was a series short-lived. It may have even just been a mini. As Sonny Lou drew it. But nobody ever talks about it. Nobody... I don't hear anybody 
clamoring for more. No, it, it just seems like Fate. whenever they reach so, for Dr. Fate in DC, they do the exact opposite of what Marvel does with Dr. Strange, where it's like Dr. Strange is capable. Dr. Strange is smart. There's a huge threat. Dr. Strange has to deal with, and he, his own ego gets in the way and he misjudges it and then figures out a way to do it. Dr. Fate, it seems like it's just always like, oh, I can't control the helmet. Oh, chaos is everywhere. Oh. <laughs> like, Dr. Right. Fate seems like he's terrible at his job, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Stay tuned to future installments of the THN Nerd News Update. Yeah, we'll follow For more on this story as it develops. The DC desk is following this story as it develops. Over at Marvel, we got news on a new Incredible Hulk creative team and a new number one, naturally. Philip Kennedy Johnson is your new writer, and Nick Klein, uh, most recently of Thor fame, is taking on the art duties. Uh, For those of you Marvel fans that aren't necessarily familiar with our boy pkj he has been killing it on action comics recently he has written for marvel Mm -hmm. we don't talk about that though it wasn't great (laughs) (laughs) he wrote he wrote an empire god bless america tie-in god bless it was very bad he got pulled in you know the editors are like write this and he went okay you know like yeah no it's true he didn't show up pitching that story uh, but right exactly but um his action comics was outstanding very good uh his continuing work on the uh the new dawn of dc kind of revamp has been really fun i like philip kennedy johnson a great deal he did write that first new Alien series at Marvel last year, and we liked that. That was fun. So, like, he's he's been back in the Marvel pool. Well, I mean, if you count Aliens, yeah. Here's your solicit for the new Incredible Hulk. As an enraged Hulk tries to take control of Bruce Banner's body permanently, a mysterious immortal turns every monster in the Marvel Universe against Banner in an attempt to free their creator, the primordial Mother of Horrors. Ooh. You got to say that real slowly with a lot of inflection or else it comes out. <laughs> the mother of her. Mother of her. <laughs> yeah. With the help of an unlikely new friend, Banner and Hulk must try to stop the world from getting plunged into darkness. First off, I'm so glad that they're going back to the Incredible Hulk. I, that's just, I yes. miss it when it's gone. I totally I miss agree. It when it's gone. I totally agree. And this, look, let's just talk about the Donny Cates Hulk real quick because it started off as a clever idea. Thought it was neat. Banner flying the Hulk around like a spaceship, you know, and like they had the big dust up with Thor. It's a clever idea. I, I like the I like that every time you try to explain it to somebody, it sounds like he's literally flying the Hulk. The Hulk, the, the he's piloting the Hulk like a Shogun warrior is kind, what he's doing. He kind, yeah, I mean, like it's like yes. the Hulk doesn't fly. He's not flying the Hulk. Well, the Hulk had a jetpack, and like, <laughs> all right, all right, but is he? You did. know what I mean? Yes, but he's steering the Hulk around like a giant mech suit. Is yes, what it is, basically. The problem is, I think it went on a little too long. It got away from itself, and then Donny Cates had to excuse himself from comics to deal with some personal stuff, and poor Ryan Otley was sort of hung out to dry. And I feel bad for that guy because the book looked very good. It was not great. This feels like a return to what the Incredible Hulk should be doing, and that is fighting big, muscly monsters by punching them in the face with a fantastic artist. Nick Klein, so good. And as fun as that idea was, that Donny Cates idea, it is a real departure, uh, yeah. but I love a good swerve on the whole Bruce Hulk yeah. personality conflict. And that was certainly a swerve. It was brave and it was clever and it went and, on a little too long, uh, you know, but 
I also like this much more kind of earthbound. Yeah. Banner and the Hulk hate each other and they're trying to get rid of the other permanently, you know, that kind of traditional yin and yang kind of thing. Right. And uh, this does sound really good. I love Nick Klein. What do you think about the Hulk's new haircut? Yeah. So that's the thing I was going to go with next. Um, I love Nick Klein. I don't know that I love stoner emo long hair Hulk. <laughs> he looks like uh, he, he looks like he plays uh, bass in Nirvana. You know, <laughs> he looks like he looks like Stuart from Letterkenny. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it, you know, we, we tease, but these sorts of things are always temporary. Like, sure. In the 90s or yep. early 2000s. He had a ponytail, Banner, you know? I mean, Bruce Banner <laughs> shaved his head and then Hulk had a shaved head. You know, yeah. it's, it's what happens. Yeah. When Bruce is wandering around, he doesn't get a haircut. Not a lot of barbershops willing to uh, cut the hair of Bruce Banner, I, I'm guessing. I suppose. But Bruce Banner on the cover has short hair and Hulk has No, he's hair. got long hair. Oh, does On he? the cover, he's got long hair. Yes. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sorry. I'm and so his, like, Bruce's... Uh, the Hulk's hair mirrors Bruce's hair. It's just how it is. And like, if Bruce grew a beard, the Hulk would have a beard. Right. But, uh, I, I also, I'm kind of hoping it's temporary because he does look like a shitty little weasel. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but Nick Klein, fantastic artist. I trust him to draw big, scary monsters. And I trust, yeah, I trust the Hulk to punch him in the face and it's gonna look really cool. I'm excited. And PKJ, love that dude. Yeah, PKJ, getting more work. That's fun. Before we close out the news, a shout out goes to Mark Orenberger. He laid it on us. Sometimes we don't know things on this show or we can't come up with it instantly or Google search it fast enough to pretend like we are experts. We ask or you guys. Or we're flat out wrong. Yeah, or we're just flat out wrong. We ask you nerds to correct us or inform us in a little segment we call Lay It On Us. We got a whole thing in our Discord where you can do that. Mark responded to us talking about Sharon Carter and when she was DA. In uh, several volumes of Captain America ago, written by Rick Remender with art by John Romita Jr., Captain America and Sharon Carter found themselves in Dimension Z, a dystopian alternate world ruled with an iron fist by Arnim Zola. Uh, what they discovered is that time moved much more quickly there. And when Cap came back, he was fine because super soldier serum. Sure. And when they rescued Sharon, she was a decade older, yeah. which made her look elderly. That was her status quo for a long time. Like they addressed it in the book. They drew her like that yeah, for a long time. She's an older and then lady. all of a sudden we were reading, uh, we were reading something and Sharon showed up and all of a sudden she's young. Well, we we're reading the most recent Captain America Sentinel. Of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we were talking about Sharon getting a new identity and yes. getting a new costume and she's, a new identity as the destroyer. Yes. She looked she was back to her like fit young blonde, right? Mid twenties, maybe early thirties. Yeah, mid twenties. Like, yeah, whatever. And we asked, when did they show Sharon getting de-aged? Lay it on us, Matt. Take it away. Mark Owenberger did just that. He said, "It just so happens." I read the issue where Sharon Carter de-ages this weekend in Captain America 2018, issue 23. Written by Tanisi Coates, Sharon Carter wins a fight with Celine, like vampire mutant Celine, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Necrotia, you know. Yeah. 
while we're... <laughs> Necrotia, I can't Hellfire believe you brought Club. that up. <laughs> I, she was the villain of Necrotia. I know, yeah, I know, I know. She was Hellfire Club, Selene, Black, the Black Queen, right. yeah, but yada, yada, yada. Sharon Carter wins a fight with Selene while wearing the Iron Patriot armor and reclaims a piece of her soul that had been stolen by the power elite. Recovering her soul also restored Sharon's youth. She was very happy. <laughs> That's good. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it goes. <laughs> We're happy um, for And her. you know what? Not, not only did Mark uh, explain when Sharon got de-aged, thank you, Mark, it also explains why there is a uh, an Agent 13 variant card in my Marvel Snap game that is Sharon Carter in the Iron Patriot armor. Okay. It's like, what? where did this come from? What is this, what is this Alex Ross drawing of Sharon Carter in this armor? There you go. It's from that storyline. But thank you, Mark. You laid it on us as requested. We got to give him some sort of a he gets a no. Yeah, he gets prize. a no prize. Definitely. Is it a no prize? I think we got to come up with our own. Well, shtick, like a badge we'll, we'll put on him we'll, on Discord. We'll workshop that. You, yeah. you know what, Mark? You get one extra stripe on your jean jacket. There you go. If you hear us make a mistake or you hear us ask a question, lay it on us. Get in our Discord and tell us, hey, you guys are morons. Here's what happened. Or if we're just like, I don't know what's going on here. Then you could be like, hey, you guys are morons. Here's what happened. (laughs) It works either way. That's your nerd news update for the week, but we want to hear what you cats have to say about these stories. You can join us in our gang hang on Saturdays from 11 to noon or post in our nerd news channel on our Discord. You know what else we talk about while there? The question of the week. Joe Patrick, please reset our question and let's give these nerds our answer. I got ahead of myself because I forgot about this part of the show. (laughs) You do. Uh, it seems like you do every week now. <laughs> I know. Well, we've only been doing the Nerd News Update for a couple of weeks. We've been doing this for years. What are you talking about? I know, but normally we don't. We used to not give our answers in this particular I know, I know, I know. I got I got excited. Okay. Um, I've already updated the question of the week, but this one was an easy one. It's uh, from Matt Mom. What is your least favorite redesign of a character that you love? Doesn't have to be your favorite character, just a character that you really love. And they got a real bummer of an outfit. Map bomb, what do you got? I want to start with how this went down on our Discord because I thought it, when you ask a question like this, there's some really easy answers that people are going to throw out. And it's like, yeah, the new 52 costumes, nobody really liked those. I totally forgot. Damon Chan pointed out when they redesigned the Wasp during the Onslaught 90s era and she had like the hair and she had little bug like antenna and stuff. And like, oh. Yeah, she was a bug, she was a bug lady. Terrible. Yeah. But there was one that seemed to split everyone down the middle, and it is my answer. And it's not Thor with spikes, and it's not Grant Morrison's super sexy greaseball Wolverine. It is Daredevil in the armor. I, this is really your least favorite? I hate the Daredevil armor so much. It's not armor. I, it just has metal on it. I hate it. It's, okay, he's got metal shoulder pads, metal wrist guards, and then didn't decide... He's got some metallic he's, elements. He's it's not, not wearing like a, a bulletproof armored suit. He's not wearing like a metal, you know, like cup or anything to protect his junk, but he does want to protect the sides of his thighs and the sides of his legs, apparently. <laughs> hey, he fights a lot of ninjas. Man. I he's hate... Got block, he's got to block them swords and stuff. Daredevil in blue 
is dumb. Daredevil is a character that should be wearing red. He should have a it's devil not blue, costume. It's on. black and red. I hate it. I hate the blue that or the, outfit. The blue is how they illust- used to illustrate the light. I this. get it. I hate the Daredevil armor. And there are people that You're wrong. like it was literally split down the middle. 50% of us were like, boo. And the other 50% were like, I don't know, dude. I kind of love it. <laughs> I love it. I love that costume. Oh. Like, I'm not saying I want him to wear it all the time. I hate but I it. Think it's a, I think it's a cool looking costume. It, everybody calls it armor, but armor is big and bulky. And obviously if Daredevil was wearing armor, like that's like saying, I You're think, equating it to like the Captain America cap armor, which is no, ugh, that's no, that's atrocious. Daredevil is not wearing armor. He's wearing a sleek black suit. That I happens get it. to have some metallic protect protection on it. I think they call it. Everybody calls it armor because there was an action figure that said armored Daredevil. That's in this stupid. Costume. I agree. That's stupid. <laughs> like, but but I, this I, just um, yeah, the same way that like, you look, were upset about Black Panthers costume like when they the redesign and you said and you were saying like look the black panther outfit is just so iconic and so perfect i would argue the same is true for daredevil daredevil's costume is so perfectly designed in its simplicity that it does not need to change when charles soul made him wearing the black outfit i did not need that i like it's the same costume but it was black don't need it i love daredevil's costume i love the red i love the dd i love the horns it's perfect we don't need to mess with it. And this was just an excuse to mess with this costume in a story that I would argue was very good. Fall from Grace? Yeah, it's like D.G. Chichester or something. Yeah, oh. it was the ongoing writer of Daredevil at the time. Let me look. Oh, D.G. Chichester. Good call. Nice. Thank you. I know things. Yeah, not a bad story, uh, but God, I hate that. I hate that armor. All right, all right, all right. Armor, uh, armor, for armor. Me, <laughs> For, stop it. <laughs> you want to talk about armor? For me, it actually is armor, it, and it is the New 52 Superman costume. Yeah. All, all, most of the New 52 redesigns are bad. Yeah. But the Superman costume is not only bad, but it's completely misguided. Like, why? Yeah, it's egregious. Why does he have to be wearing armor? Why does he have knee pads? Why does he... And, like, the no. Starfleet, like, sleeves and a little space collar and everything. Yeah. Like, don't yeah, like it. no, it's it's terrible. Yeah. It, so Jim Lee did all those redesigns. Well, Jim Lee and Cully Hamner. Yes. Uh, they both. But Jim Lee, I, I blame Jim Lee for the Superman yes. costume. And we all love Jim Lee. Jim Lee is a fantastic artist. Jim Lee is superstar. No question. Legend. The one thing I would argue Jim Lee has never been able to stop doing, and that is designing his characters like they came right out of the 90s. <laughs> Like, this shit looks so 90s. This, remember Psylocke wearing, like, the armor where she had, like, the face thing? Like, she looked like when she but was, I mean, like, the But, I mean, that Amanda. actually was the 90s, though. <laughs> I know. You know? That's I, what I'm saying. Like, it was so. so over the top and ridiculous. And, like, this, looking at this, it's just like, hey, what if we made Superman harder to draw for no reason? You know? Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Put lots of lines on him and he's got metal boots. <laughs> it's just bad. It's bad. Yeah. Ugh. No, I agree. Just bad. Luckily, we've got a brand new question of the week. This one is courtesy of John Tverdick via the Discord. Your conversation about the Tom King verse got me thinking about other obvious contributions like Frank Miller's contributions to the DC universe or the Frank Miller verse. Are there other writers who get this kind of carte blanche to deconstruct classic characters and lore and make it their own? Who does it the best? Who does it the worst? So, we're talking about creators that kind of are left to their own devices to play with characters 
and redefine them as they see fit. Right. I would argue Tom King's vision is a really good example. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Tom King was the example. So don't say Tom sure, King. Sure, sure. Uh, These are characters when they show up to the office and go, I've got an idea for a story. They just go, yes, sir. Let it go for it. Like, does not matter what's happening in the universe. Right. It doesn't matter if they're alive or dead. <laughs> like, you get to do whatever you want with that character or group of characters. Go. And obviously also not things that are clearly part of some kind of ongoing plan like, right. you know, Electric Superman or whatever, you know. Sure. Th these are just creators that kind of come in and kick the door down and redefine something in their own, or recreate something in their own image that doesn't necessarily fit with what you think about. Yeah. Who does it best? Who does it the worst? I've got my worst. I've got my best for sure. I've got my that, worst. That, that, the, be the best, I feel like, was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. So. We'll talk about it all week in our Discord, and we'll give our answers right here next week on the Nerd News Update. No review show this week, but we'll be back next week with new comic reviews. Just a bunch of stuff going on this week. Got to take care of business. But until next time, true believers, my name is Matt Bond. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. And this is your THN Nerd News Update. Signing off.